It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones. Looking for fun and feeling Buy it back, stopped hurting. All those are pretty amazing things. And it can happen. It can. And you have an urge to share your newfound magic with your family. And you're so disappointed when they won't listen. (laughs) (laughs) We hear that one a lot. Yeah. It would seem that people not in the know about nutrition look more to a pill than to a food to get rid of aches and pains, heartburn, and even to resolve infertility. Today we want to talk about how foods and nutrition can support fertility and how some foods can actually increase infertility. Joining me in our discussion about how foods can support fertility is our co-host, Brenna Thompson. Brenna is a licensed and registered dietitian, and she sees clients at Maple Grove and at North Oaks office. And when she's not out teaching to local companies or being interviewed on TV. That's right. Brenna, this week you were interviewed by TV12 on some nutritional facts and fictions, right? Yes. One of the nutritional myths, which actually came from poor science, was that people should limit the number of eggs they eat because the egg yolk contains cholesterol. Now, if you have that misconception about the cholesterol in eggs increasing your blood cholesterol, realize it was based on a theory. That's how I always start explaining this to people, is Mm -hmm. that it was based on a theory by Dr. Ansel Keys from the University of Minnesota. And, you know, really a theory is someone's guess. It is. It's the guess, and it is part of that scientific method. We have to have the theory, the idea, Mm -hmm. but then we have to prove it or disprove it. Right. And honestly, it was not necessarily based on science, but later on just more in kind of fiction. So science has found that blood cholesterol is made in your liver. So really, like 70... About 70% of your cholesterol is just made by your liver and usually occurs when people are eating too many processed carbs like bagels and cereal, which can cause cholesterol to increase in your blood. Eating the egg yolks does not increase your cholesterol. And I know people are still, we hear this all the time in classes, don't they? In fact, I had a client yesterday said, you mean it's okay for me to eat eggs? <laughs> yes, you we know, hear that all the time. Or they kind of, after a couple of weeks, they go, okay, so I get that eggs are real food and that they could be good for me, but really how many eggs? That's right. Yes. So that old theory has stayed around for a long time, even it though won't it wasn't die. based on science. No, it won't go away. So if you want to watch, you can watch Brenna's interview by going to weightandwellness.com. And click on About in the News, and we're actually going to talk more about why eggs and cholesterol support fertility. It's important for fertility. You know, there is so much misinformation about nutrition out there. Lots of misinformation. Lots of it. And there's a lot of misinformation around the topic of fertility and nutrition. And I'm sure if you are struggling with fertility issues, you want some facts. So we've invited the scientific fact man today, Greg (laughs) Peterson, to join our discussion about nutrition and fertility. 
and many of our longtime listeners know and love the information Greg has shared on other shows. Greg is just a wealth of information on almost any nutrition topic, and I bet his wife would say on any topic. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> he is a co-owner, along with his brother Dave Peterson, of Nutridyne, a company that supports healthcare professionals with the most up-to-date nutritional seminars, and I think that is really key. Just lots of good education. Mm-hmm. Just lots. And professional quality nutritional supplements. So, Greg, welcome to the show this morning. People love to have you on. They love your voice, and they love the, all the information. Well, I now I have to say something intelligent this morning, then, with all <laughs> well, that that'll uh, be build really up. easy. <laughs> you Thank know, you. When a couple is struggling with infertility, they think they're the only ones going through that struggle. But actually, probably 15% up to 30% of couples have really great difficulties conceiving. In the past, we used to think the fertility problem was a woman's problem. And only a woman's problem. But well, now we know that 30 to 40% of infertility cases are due to men's infertility. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? Yep. And that's, uh, I think I had heard that statistic as well, that 30% of it was women, 30% was men, and then actually 30% is kind of both in the same relationship. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. So now, Greg, what does research tell us about the reasons for about this third of the infertility problems being a male issue? Well, let's get on those men. Yeah, let's. Bit. You know, <laughs> we've been beating on the women too much here recently, too. But uh, we know one of the, the big reasons is the sperm counts have gone down considerably. And many issues for that. It could be um, diet. We'll talk about that mm-hmm. a little bit later, too. Um, atherosclerosis. You know, we know placking is a major concern, too. So heart and disease? Heart disease, huge. And yeah, but you usually think of that as older men. You, you do, but, you know, remember years ago when they started doing autopsies on men after the Korean War? Yes, I do. And they found that these 19-year-old you know, young men yes. already had placking, already had some atherosclerosis, too. And that was back in probably the 50s when our diet lifestyle was much, much better. better. It's much mm-hmm. worse, you know, today, too, mm-hmm. so. Yeah, it, you'd think older men, but uh, younger men, too, for sure, with it. Uh, so that's an issue. Drugs, another huge area, too. We didn't know that until uh, recently that metformin, the most commonly used medication for diabetes and so forth, that's been shown to uh, decrease uh, free testosterone. Testosterone overall increases your sex, binding, uh, sex hormone binding globulin, which binds up the testosterone so it can't be used you know, by the cells as efficiently. Um, we all know that. We also know that SSRIs like and, Prozac, Zoloft, Paxil, and so forth. You know that they also reduce serum um, the, the the semen quality, and okay. also cause DNA damage to the sperm itself as well too. You know, so it it, it really beats up on the on the, the sperm. So uh, and we know that there's a lot of both men and women on um, some type of antidepressant. You know. Oh, it's huge. It's a huge factor. And then the last one, too, you know, Darren Brenna, is statin medications, you know, like your Lipitor and so forth. And it's very feasible that a man or a woman, for that matter, could be on all three of those medications because we know that the statins also reduce, you know, testosterone and reduce cholesterol, which we know that cholesterol is needed for producing sex hormones like testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, and so forth. So that's a major factor. Thyroid, we'll talk about that a little bit later, too. That decreases spermogenesis if you have a thyroid you know, problem, which is, again, quite common. Smoking, alcohol, 
uh, all cause, you know, um, free radical damage to the sperm itself. So it's the decreasing sperm counts that we see in our industrial countries. Um, and we know that there's a connection between, you know, um, the low testosterone and the sperm count that lowers mm-hmm. the fertility. And I would imagine if you're lowering testosterone in men, you're also going to lower their libido. Oh, absolutely. And they're not really going to feel like making babies. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose oh. that's a nice way to say it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so, Greg, you just you put out a word called when you were talking about free radicals. Yes. So what what do you mean when you say free radicals? Well, free radical uh, causes oxidation. And, and a lot of things cause oxidation that are, are good. You know, mm-hmm. breathing causes oxidation. You know, um, you know, eating and drinking and the digestive process and so forth, they all can cause oxidation to occur, which is good and it's necessary. But in the healthy world and so forth, we get enough antioxidants from our diet in the fruits and the vegetables and so forth. Okay, so you have sure. a oxidative, you know, process going on, let's say like breathing and so forth, but you have enough of your antioxidant nutrients like vitamin E and C and beta carotene and selenium and so forth that buffers the oxidative damage because what oxidation does is it ages cells. So if, if you look at like uh, what oxygen does to a fish, it uh, ages it, oxidizes it, and, and it becomes rancid. And it gets, or, gets smelly then. It gets smelly. Yeah, it's not, it gets rotten, basically. <laughs> yes. uh, you look at like an apple. When you see it starting to brown and so forth mm-hmm. and starting to break down and so forth, too, that's oxidation. Well, that whole oxidation goes on in our bodies all the time and accelerates the aging of, of cells and tissues. So we want to make sure we have adequate amounts of the antioxidant nutrients, the E, the C, the beta carotene, the selenium, and so forth, to balance that out. So, Brent, I have a question for you. Yes. If you were looking at a French fry. Yeah. How many antioxidants in a French fry? Zero. <laughs> and what are most, probably a lot of young men are eating, maybe on a daily basis? Well, probably. I also know that French fries and tater tots are the number one vegetable eaten in the United States, particularly by very young children. Uh-huh. So. And so, you know, what Greg is talking about is we've got these free radicals that are Kind of what you're saying is it's kind of damaging the sp- the sperm somewhat, isn't it? Yeah, it's oxidizing it. It's uh, creating abnormal sperm. It's creating sperm that have has an inability to really penetrate the egg, the mm-hmm. membrane of the egg to get in and to, to fertilize, you know, the egg and so forth. And so, yeah, it's just ma- making it basically ineffective. And with that, we have to go to break. Oh, already? Sorry. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. Researchers from the Harvard School of Public Health studied 18,500 women trying to conceive and found the type of fats these women ate was a good predictor of their level of fertility. Those who got 2% of their calories from trans fats had a 50% greater risk of infertility than those who included monounsaturated fats such as olive oil, olives, or avocados. And lead researcher Dr. George Shavaro said it's really a small amount of trans fats that have a significant effect on infertility. There could be tens of thousands of women experiencing fertility problems and undergoing fertility treatment when what they need to do is cut out the trans fats and refined oils. And I think that's a big point, Brown. It is huge. If you are struggling with infertility, cut out the hydrogenated trans fats. Mm -hmm. And as nutritionists, we can help you include good fats to support fertility and eliminate bad trans fats and refined oils to increase your fertility. If you've got questions for us or Greg, give us a call today in studio at 651-699-3438.
And uh, you can also go to our website or call the offices and set up an appointment with a nutritionist. Yes. And we'll be right back. Here's a little weight loss math. On any given day, 100 million of us are on a diet and we spend $20 billion a year on books, plans, bills, and surgeries. So how come for so many people, the number on the scale is so upsetting? It's like cholesterol and blood pressure numbers, higher than it should be. Are you looking for a new way to change those numbers? Then let me tell you about the Nutrition for Weight Loss program at Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Now think about it for a minute. The approach is called Nutrition for Weight Loss, not feeling too hungry to sleep for weight loss or eating icky bars for weight loss. Nutrition for Weight Loss teaches you how to eat real food to leave you satisfied and in balance. How to use nutrition to naturally bump up your metabolism. It's based on sound science, not celebrities who make millions pitching products. Are you ready to see how it adds up for you? Then dial the number at Nutritional Weight and Wellness. It's 651-699-3438 or go online at weightandwellness.com to sign up for the Nutrition for Weight Loss program. Many people working or exercising outside may become dehydrated and depleted in electrolytes. You know, runners, the the people, Mm -hmm. you know, gardeners, people. Yes. You know, other people get dehydrated too. People taking diuretics for blood pressure control or those having ongoing diarrhea may also experience dehydration and an electrolyte imbalance. If you're experiencing leg or toe cramps, fatigue, weakness, irregular heartbeat, you may need to supplement with an electrolyte minerals. And we have two very useful electrolyte formulas. One of them is called Cineplex Electrolyte Concentration. And you just simply put a tablespoon in a glass of water a couple of times a day. Easy. Very easy. Doesn't really taste like anything. No. Or for the athlete, and that would be you, (laughs) Renna. Yes. Runners. Endura is a rehydration formula that has a blend of electrolyte minerals like calcium, phosphorus, magnesium, chloride, sodium, pot- potassium. Plus, it has twenty-one or 29 grams of carbohydrates for more energy. Right. Both are really amazing energy for your energy and well-being. They lift fatigue. They help the muscle cramps go away. And they give you energy. Exactly. So, and that Endura is kind of like more of a natural, I guess you could call it like a Gatorade. Mm-hmm. And I have some some athletes that I've worked with that really like it because you can get it in lemon or orange flavored. Okay, good. So if you have questions about fertility this morning, give us a call at 651-641-1071. And I do love to hear we from were people. talking about, before we went on break. Yes, free radicals. Oh, okay. So what are free radicals? Well, I think Greg was giving a good example about free radicals and how they are what would turn or like the oxid they're what create that oxidative process. They turn things brown, like apples brown or your avocados brown. But then we have to ask ourselves, where do free radicals come from? Are they like mosquitoes that just come out at dusk and create a little bit of an annoyance? Well, a free radical problem is much more than just a small mosquito problem. But it definitely could be related to the chemicals that we use to kill off the mosquitoes. In fact, if you were a Vietnam vet, you no doubt got exposed to one of the strongest free radicals, Agent Orange. And other sources of free radicals are those that we get from our environment, environmental pollutants. 
And many of those pollutants then get into our water supply. So things such as insecticides, herbicides, fertilizers, and other chemical waste products. And I had been reading a study, I think a year ago, on something similar to this, where they found that European soccer players, Mm -hmm. particularly if they had started as very young boys playing soccer, had high rates of infertility because of all the chemicals that they use on the soccer fields. Oh, okay. So I think another group of people that have to be really careful about that are golfers. Yes. Because, the again, they really put a lot of chemicals on the golf greens to make mm-hmm. them look yep. beautiful. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, some of these free radicals are really difficult to control, but there are other ways we get exposed to free radicals that we can regularly limit. But, Craig, first, mm-hmm. if a couple is having a fertility problem, what do the free radicals again do to the sperm? Well, it's not a good thing, Dar. I'll tell you that much. It's really what it does is it reduces the sperm density, mm-hmm. you know, the quality of the sperm, the motility. So, how well does it swim? How does well does it, get, it be able to chase the egg up, you know, okay. or, or get to the egg? Uh, it changes the morphology. You know, that's which a big is, word. Yeah, well, morphology is really the, the structure of the sperm itself. You know, so so it's the shape of the sperm. Is it of the right shape so it can swim well, can penetrate the, the, the you know the egg mm-hmm. cell membrane as well too? So if you mess up the the morphology, sometimes it can get there, but it can't do its job as well too. Um, so it, it's really the breakdown of that outer membrane of the sperm. The morphology is of it, and uh, at that point, then this uh, the sperm will die off, resulting in. Uh, no, no, no baby. No basically. baby. No yeah. baby. And we do have a question here. Okay. You don't mind if I take it? Oh, sure. So, good morning, Miss Katie. You have a question for us? Yes, I do. Um, I am 29 years old. My husband is 31. We have a two and a half year old son. Mm-hmm. And um, I've had extensive testing done. My husband's had extensive testing done because we have not been able to conceive. We've been trying for about 15 months. And, um, the only thing that came back um, was my TSH levels were a little high. I think my T3 and my T4 were fine. So I've, I've now been treated for that, but I'm just wondering if there are other things I can do to support my thyroid through my diet. Well, Miss um, <laughs> Thanks, Dar. Yeah, there you are because you've <laughs> just so did your research. I would paper. say, so you, did they start you on Synthroid or Levothyroxine? Yes. yes. And your TSH is now in a normal range? Correct. I would look at talking to your doctor about starting on maybe Armour Thyroid or adding in Cytomel, which is a T3. Yep. And perhaps that might help. But then I would also say make an appointment with one of the nutritionists at Weight and Wellness because we get people pregnant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, there's so many different things when you start to look at that. I mean, we would look again at exactly how many f- fat grams you eat. I mean, we would probably put you on a fairly high, high fat, fat diet, diet. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you're not eating enough fat. Maybe your husband isn't eating enough fat. Maybe you're, either of you are eating, like we mentioned French fries. Well, they've got a lot of bad fats. But there's a lot of other foods that have bad fats. Greg, you were going to say something. Well, too. I was just going to mention, too, and we're going to be talking about this later in the program, about the different nutrients for infertility. And two of them are going to be selenium and, and zinc. zinc. Yep. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, you know, when you do the Synthroid product, like mm-hmm. Brenda was mentioning, or the levo, uh, 
thyroxine, that's T4. Now, T4 is the lesser active thyroid hormone. And the more active thyroid hormone is that T3, you mentioned the cytomel. But we also know that selenium and zinc is necessary to convert T4 to T3 in the body. So by getting those levels up, you're going to be naturally improving thyroid function as well. Exactly. Yeah. So as you can see, there's just many, many things. So make a family appointment and address all the different issues. Does that help you out there, Miss Katie? Yes. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Yeah. And I think... Thank you for the call because there's a lot of people with the same questions. And often we see people in that same age range, mm-hmm. you know, early 30s um, experiencing infertility. Right. A lot of people. Yes. And so we've been talking about those free radicals and how they can cause fewer sperm. And then the ones that are left, they've pretty much kind of gone to sleep or they're just unable to swim well enough to reach the egg. And we do have to take a break here. Oh. Unfortunately. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. I just want to share some lifestyle research about women's fertility. Again, the following findings were taken from research studies. The author of one study concluded that high levels of caffeine consumption may result in delayed conception, or another study showed that women with high occupational exposure to mercury were less fertile than the unexposed control group of women. And many studies found that the severity of obesity and the distribution of body fat tissue influences the female reproductive system. So many factors affect women's fertility. So if you've got questions for us or Greg, give us a call here today at 651-641-1071. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. When looking at other causes of infertility, PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome or ovary syndrome, some people say, may account for as many as half of all cases of infertility. Usually with a con- condition of PCOS, insulin resistant is the main underlying factor. You know, and as nutritionists, we help women reduce their insulin resistance and ovulation returns and often conception follows. This process, it does take some time. It can take some time. Take some good direction. It takes some support and a willing a willingness on the client's part to reduce processed carbs and eliminate trans fats and refined oils. But usually when people are wanting to get pregnant, they, they have will do, the willingness. They do have the willingness. <laughs> They'll do anything. So, you know, as a nutritionist, and like Brenna said, we make babies. Yep. We we have had amazing success stories to share. And so if you have questions today about infertility, give us a call at 651-641-1071. And um, yes, so over the break, Greg and I were talking about, of all things, cats. <laughs> cat lovers. Cat lovers, yes. So, Greg, you had a good kind of analogy here as we were talking about just how processed diets will reduce fertility. And mm-hmm. we were kind of talking about um a book called Pottinger's Cats or Pottinger's Prophecy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so his study on cats and diet and fertility. And what were we? Yeah, it's yeah. really interesting. And there's actually even a video. If you go to their website, you can you know, buy the video and look at it. But they've taken uh, two or uh, three groups of cats, two that were on a, a bad diet, basically, for you know lack of better terms. And the third group that was on a whole food diet, you know, the, the meats from the butcher and so forth. Mm-hmm. And they watched them over four generations of kitties, basically cats and kitties. 
And what uh, of many things they found that the group on the you know the the bad diet and so forth had all kinds of you know healthcare problems, asthmas, arthritis, you know behavioral problems, etc. But the biggest thing that we're thinking about is that those two groups on the bad diet could not produce a fourth generation of kitty. They were just completely infertile. Couldn't completely do infertile it. or stillborn. Kittens. Yes, that was. Okay. It, whereas the group sure. on the organic, uh, organic meat diet and so forth, no problems. Kitties as usual, you know. So, so diet counts. Diet, huge, huge. Diet yeah. does count, and mm-hmm. I was kind of relating how when we first got our cat Samoa, she was on a high grain, um, containing food, and she was very gassy. She would just walk around the house, and she'd kind of pass you, and you'd go, "Oh my goodness, what is that?" <laughs> So we quick got her on a grain-free diet, and within, like, days, it was just gone. So It makes sense. It does make sense. Cats Cats, eat mice. Yeah. They don't eat corn. They don't (laughs) eat oats. But we do have, we've got a question this morning. Sure. All right. Good morning, Miss Diane. You have a question? Good morning. Yes, I do. It's about polycystic ovarian syndrome, and how can diet help that? Well, underneath that is usually insulin resistance. And so you have to reduce the insulin resistance to reduce the PCOS. And it does take some time, but it does work. I mean, it's just, it does work. Now, there's other things that when we're working with somebody with PCOS, we do other things to help remove some of the toxic estrogens that the person has and, you know, kind of balance out their hormones too. So we look at a lot of different factors. Right, because a lot of times with PCOS, um, you know, it's a it's a symptom or a sign of high estrogen, but the typical medical um I guess solution to it is to put someone on birth control, which doesn't really help the problem, it just kind of masks it. Mhm. So we really need to heal that insulin resistance and get those blood sugars under control. And get the ovulation going again. Yeah. And that's what we, I mean, that's what we work for. I don't know. Okay. Do you have other questions? And I don't know, Greg, do you have anything you want to add well, to that? Well, I was just going to, you know, um, dovetail in with what you're saying, too. It is a obviously a hormonal imbalance. And um, I had uh, one of my, my daughters who had a PCOS, you know, not the classic symptoms at all because mm-hmm. she's a very slender, beautiful woman, but her manifestation was more acne, you know, mm-hmm. types of problems. Plus, you know, the, the, the cycle was messed up as well. And uh, we did all the things we were supposed to be doing, and we, you know, the dietary changes and getting around the right supplement program and lifestyle changes and so forth. And the thing that was, that, that made the difference, and it was probably because we did all these other things first, the foundation was laid, is we put her on that Estrofactors product that we market. And literally, I, I, I swear to you, that within a week, the acne stopped. Wow. And has never come back. Mm-hmm. You know, as long as she keeps, she's on the estrofactors on a minimal, you know, dosage yep. ongoingly. Yes, So exactly. it seems like the whole hormonal link, you know, getting that balance between estrogen, testosterone, progesterone yes. is huge in PCOS. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's and, been very helpful. Thank okay. You. Well, thanks for the call. That was great. Thank you. Okay. We were talking about cats and then what else are we talking about? I think Greg... Um, Maybe talk a little bit more about these free radicals in the semen of infertile men. Yeah, that was a, a pretty interesting study out of the International Journal of Andrology. And they're reporting uh, abnormally high levels of free radicals in the semen of about 40% of infertile men. 
Then I read another study just last night. I was looking it up, and there's another medical study that they talked about all infertile men had raised free radicals in their semen. Oh, really? So it seems like it's a real major factor, this free radical damage you know, to the sperm quality, the motility of the sperm, and so forth. So then I guess the other question a lot of people would say, okay, how can I get rid of these free radicals, or how can I make sure that I'm not getting exposed to more of them? We talked about you know, insecticides, pesticides, and those things. And they end up in our water supply a lot of times. Yes, they do. And so we really encourage people to use filtered water. And people can actually, if you want to have your water tested, you know, and you're just wondering, you can actually call Richard at Richard's Water, and I can give you his phone number, and he'll come out and test your water. He's very friendly. Yes, and it's 952-920-1200. And, you know, basically that's one way to avoid some of this excess chemical exposure. Right. And smoking and excess alcohol consumption can impair fertility through decreased testosterone production, which impairs sperm production and function. So, you know, here in the great state of Minnesota, we Mm -hmm. have a very lively um, craft brew (laughs) (laughs) kind of scene on the market. And it makes me wonder how many of these gentlemen going to all of these bars and drinking all this beer are maybe experiencing some infertility problems. They could be. They could be. And another one, too, um, you know, which is kind of ironic because now we're legalizing marijuana Uh throughout many of the states and so forth. But there's also uh, some very, you know, interesting information, research showing that uh, marijuana use can also affect the fertility of men. And there's a group of scientists at Aberdeen University found in animal studies that the cannabis, you know, marijuana, had a significant impact on both production and function of testosterone. And then another study from the University of Sheffield that was published in the Journal of Human Reproduction found young men who smoked marijuana were more likely to have lower amounts of normal-shaped sperm. That makes some sense, doesn't it? It does. It does. I mean, they went even to the, the, the extent, which is kind of funny, they called it sperm burnout. <laughs> <laughs> we hear about people burning out and so forth, so can your sperm with it, too. And that's where the, the um, these uh, you know, people that are you know, smoking marijuana, um, it, they kind of explain what happens to the sperm. It speeds it up momentarily, puts it into an excitatory mode. So it's swimming strong and hard and so forth, but it, it burns out before it gets to the egg hey, oh. to penetrate the egg, to fertilize the egg. It poops out. It pooped, yeah, exactly. That's the term they use. <laughs> yeah. it pooped, they call it pooped out sperm is, is the term they used. And I always think of it as like the tortoise and the hare story. Mm-hmm. Is that, you know, hare, he, he, he or she, I guess he takes off like, like lightning and so forth. And the tortoise just kind of keeps at its, you know, regular mm-hmm. God-given speed and so forth. And the hare burns up before he gets to the finish line. But who, who does get to the finish line is the tortoise. Yes. You know? So very similar to that. So there, it isn't as a benign of a drug as many of us have been told it is. It is. Right. That's right. So, you know... As nutritionists, we talk about the junk food diet that many young men follow. You know, they eat fast food for breakfast. Mm-hmm. They often, for lunch, they sometimes eat fast food again. And maybe for Supper? evenings, bar food. <laughs> bar food, yes. and um, Or maybe even some more fast food. Not even realizing that it can be affecting their fertility and their testosterone, testosterone levels. Yeah. And when we sit down with a couple who are struggling with fertility... In a nutrition counseling session, we recommend real food. It is so important for fertility to stop eating trans fats and refined oils. And that means fast food has got to go. 
and fried bar food has got to go. And processed foods, even if we're getting it out of the freezer section at the grocery store, it's got to go because they all have refined oils, those hydrogenated oils. So we need to start checking the labels. And that seems to be one of the more damaging free radicals for sperm, for sure. Right. That's what we were finding. Yes. So do we need to take another break, Brenna? Nope. Uh, well, yeah, we can just go ahead and do that right okay. now. Yes. And we'll figure out where we are when we get back. When we get back. Yes, you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. I am Brenna Thompson, licensed and registered dietitian. I'm here today with Darlene Kavist, licensed nutritionist, and Greg Peterson, co-owner of Nutridyne, a company providing cutting-edge nutrition information and professional quality supplements to healthcare professionals. We love having Greg on the show because he comes with stacks and stacks of research. Plus, after 40 years of study, he knows... Right, Greg? 40 years? 41 now. 41 Ooh. years. <laughs> <laughs> so he knows almost every nutrition topic inside and out. And we know that food choices, environmental pollution, and lifestyle habits all affect fertility. And many people today need more information to achieve and support a pregnancy. And that's what we do. Hi, sleep. I miss you. What's it been? Six months? A year? I don't even know anymore. I just know I need you. And I really want to reconnect. I tried medication, hypnosis, some weird tea that smelled like feet, crying hysterically. None of it worked. A friend of mine told me about this place that helped her sleep, Nutritional Weight and Wellness. I know. What the heck does food have to do with sleep? She says a lot. I can't remember what exactly because my mind is shot these days. No sleepy, no thinky. Plus, I'm getting acne and headaches, and my butt's getting fat. I'm going a little crazy, you know? <laughs> anyway, I'm going to give Nutritional Weight and Wellness a try, and I promise, Sleep, if you come back, I won't snore. Learn how real food can improve your sleep, mood, digestion, skin, and more. Sign up for the Weight and Wellness Series at Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Call 651-699-3438 or visit weightandwellness.com. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. You know, if it's time to take off 10 pounds or even 100 pounds or more, I think you'll appreciate the Nutrition for Weight Loss plan and approach. No longer do you have to starve, and that was always not fun. That's never fun. Or eat box foods. Not fun either. And you don't even have to weigh in. You know, of course, if you want to, you can. You can. We have scales. <laughs> Exercise. Well, a lot of people, they just can't stand to weigh in any longer. No. They're no. tired of it. You know, and exercise is good, but if you're not ready to exercise at first, it is okay. You'll still learn and you'll still lose to, you'll lose weight, even if you don't exercise. And you'll learn the new science of weight loss with teachers who live the program because it's been life-changing for them. Classes start the week of July 28th in Mendota Heights, Maple Grove, North Oaks, Lakeville, Wyzetta, and St. Paul. Lots of places. You have lots of choices no matter where you live. So just give our phone a call. It's 651-699-3438. Just ask them whatever questions you want, and they'll be happy to answer any questions for you. Yes. So where are we? We're going to, we're, well, we were, we're talking about trans junk, fats, junk, junk, junk food fats. Yeah. Yeah. So basically what people have to do is they, they stop eating foods cooked in corn oil, soybean oil, vegetable oil. And start cooking at home. You know, butter, olive oil, coconut oil are all great. Use full-fat dairy products like cream, cream cheese, and butter. A lot of research on that one. There is a lot of research on the butter one. Especially for women. 
Mm-hmm. So you will notice your skin gets better and also your energy. And those are just signs that you're on the correct path. You know, there are specific supplements to help male fertility. And so that's one of Greg's expertise. I hope so. Yep. Good. <laughs> well, one that I like a lot is is zinc. Good old fashioned zinc. Um, it's very important for improving healthy sperm and testosterone levels. Uh, usually, about fifty milligrams a day is is a good starting point. You know, for people, they can have that you know, monitored by Nutrition Weight and Wellness too to see if maybe they need more or less. Yes. There's ways to ascertain whether they're getting adequate zinc. Uh, but it'll increase your testosterone. It increases sperm concentration in the semen which is the carrying fluid, you know, for the sperm. And then also, again, it goes back to reduces free radical damage and structural damage to the sperm itself. It's, it's a, I guess zinc is an antioxidant, isn't it? Absolutely. It's just yeah. amazing. And about 70% of the population is deficient in zinc. And, you know, I think I, if I remember right, 73% of our kids are deficient in zinc. So what does that talk about is the upcoming population and oh. fertility. So, yeah. I, I agree. And another one I really like, too, uh, Brenna and Dar, is selenium. We talked mm-hmm. about that a little bit earlier as an antioxidant mm-hmm. and so forth. And we know that selenium helps with the mobility of the sperm, how well those little guys swim, you know, basically. You know, it's like they've had some good swim lessons at that point, you know, too. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I can tell you that I remember there is a little four-year-old out there walking around today because of selenium. Ah. <laughs> oh, interesting. Well, yes. They better have named it after you. <laughs> <laughs> so it is interesting to support, or we need these nutrients to support our thyroid function, and we do often recommend zinc and selenium. And these two minerals are found in high concentration in meats and nuts. So I know like the highest food that contains zinc would be oysters, mm-hmm. are extremely high in zinc, but we don't really have those around here. But to get selenium, you know, somebody can eat um, about three Brazil nuts a day to get 100% of their selenium recommendations or selenium needs. But I would also take a selenium. I would also. If you've got infertility, I would take some extra. Yeah. yeah. Is that insurance policy? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then another nutrient, too, that it comes up a lot is a folic acid. There was a study that was done a few years ago uh, where they studied the diets of over 15,000 people for the nutrient intake of the diet. You know what the number one deficiency nutrient was? Folic acid. Folic acid, mm-hmm. yep. And so folic acid, we know, is also associated with decreased sperm, decreased sperm motility. And again, it's just like uh, that they have their own uh, lifeguard giving them swimming lessons. They just <laughs> perform so much better. Did you know that birth control pills decrease the amount of folic, or they deplete folic acid in women? And so... It just kind of makes me wonder if that's part of the infertility problems for women coming off of oh, birth control certainly. pills. That, that could be a, an old old day, you know, discussion right there. Mm-hmm. Birth control pills and the damage it does really to to women. I feel you know. right, exactly. Yes. So you know, we all know it. It is recommended. I think most people know this anyway. That women, any woman anticip, anticipating pregnancy, should include at least. 800 micrograms of folic acid daily, at least. At least. We usually suggest more than that. But that's what the research says. Right. So why do you need that? It prevents neurotube defects such as spina bifida. And that's huge to always include folic mm-hmm. acid. Because once you get pregnant, you want to make sure the pregnancy is going well. You know, yes, too. Yes. So folic acid really does play a major role in several aspects of 
getting pregnant and staying pregnant and healthy pregnancy too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also like a lot um, vitamin C and vitamin E as antioxidants to, to help to stop that free radical damage and make a healthier sperm and also to and increase the testosterone levels. You know, Greg, and I know that Metagenics has a great vitamin E with selenium. Mm-hmm. It's an easy take, isn't it? Oh, I mean, absolutely. You just take one of those a day and you're getting the vitamin E and the selenium both. Mm-hmm. I often recommend it for people. Absolutely. So, And we would recommend about 500 to 1,000 milligrams of vitamin C and 400 IUs of vitamin E containing several different forms or what we would call mixed decopherols of vitamin E. So, And, of course, eating avocados and sunflower seeds, too. Oh, that's always, you're always coming back to the food. Oh. I always come back to the food. So we do it Food both. is medicine. Food is medicine. <laughs> you know, eat the foods, but maybe... Take a little extra with it. Exactly. Because yes. you can take all the supplements in the world, and if you're eating a junk food diet, it doesn't work. No, that's right. No. It's got to be the whole enchilada, as the expression <laughs> goes, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and also another one that's really important, too, there is um, L-carnitine. And that's very important for um, sperm production and motility again. When that's low, that's where you might want to really include the, the L-carnitine. Uh, one gram or a thousand milligrams of it uh, three times daily for like three to four months, and what it does again, it provides the energy for the sperm to swim hard to the egg, uh, and this nutrient alone increased the pregnancy rates in one study by up to thirty one percent. Wow, and that's that is a supplement that I don't think a lot of people for fertility even know about. No, L carnitine. No. I didn't know about that until reading the script here and and talking with Greg. Yeah. It's yes. a biggie. That and then also coenzyme Q10. I like mm-hmm. that as well, too. That's one that you don't think of as often as, you know, too. But it's again, it's for the energy. It's such a, um energy-enhancing uh, nutrient. I mean, they call it ubiquinol because every cell, it's ubiquitous to every cell. Every cell uses it to produce cell energy. Mm-hmm. And getting pregnant is a very high energy demand, you know, mm-hmm. for people. Well, you know, we often recommend CoQ10 and carnitine to increase metabolism for many people. Mm-hmm. And again, what it does is it increases cell energy, and of course you get better metabolism. But it takes, a, it takes enough of it. You have to take enough to get the effects from it. Absolutely. You know? And yeah. I was just thinking, if we went back to the real food, if you think of traditional fertility foods, things like liver or one of my favorites, sardines, are both really high in carnitine and CoQ10. Mm-hmm. And so we, it's funny how that works, isn't it? It is. Yes. It's like we have this, you know, at one point in time, we were kind of smart about these things. So I do want to read a few lines from an article that appeared in the UK, the title junk food makes fit lads infertile and junk food damages their sperm. This study shows and trans fats, processed oils used to improve food tastes cheaply are among the worst culprits. Researchers found that those who ate a high proportion of junk food had poorer quality sperm than those on a nutritious diet. And those whose diets included the highest level of trans fats had the worst sperm quality. So it's kind of interesting. It kind of always goes back to the quality of food and looking at that. And people, you know, if you think about a couple now that are really eating a lot of fast food, they need a lot of education to make those changes. And they need a lot of support Mm -hmm. because those are big changes that we ask them to make. Mm -hmm. So, Craig, as we kind of round down the show today, 
you have any wonderful parting words that uh, that you could just? Well, I, I think it goes back to the collective. You have to have the diet. You have to have the, the right supplementation. You have to be, you know, doing um, the right things in your lifestyle. I remember we did a study years ago at Fairview St. Mary's where we had eight couples that couldn't got, could not get, you know, pregnant. We did all the things we're talking about today. Within six months, seven of the eight women were pregnant. Wow, that's great. That's great. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Greg, for being on. And we loved it. Thank you. Life, I love you. All is Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Statements made with respect to products have not been evaluated by the FDA.